Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, welcome to the Spill Your Snackable daily podcast where we talk about everything entertainment every day. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm the entertainment editor here at Mamma Mia. And I'm Key Reese. I work at Mamma Mia's influencer agency called Social Squad. On the show today, Amy Schumer has shared an update on her IVF journey this week. So why is she keeping her phone number in her Instagram bio? It's been pretty tough. I, uh, I didn't know that pregnancies could be such a bummer. And Robert Pattinson smells like crayons. We discuss. But to kick off the show today, to mark the release of his new album, Changes, Justin Bieber sat down with Apple Music's Zane Lowe. And in the interview, he talked about his relationship with um, new wife, model Hayley Baldwin, now Bieber, um, getting back into music and his desire to protect Billie Eilish and even teared up during the moment where he spoke about her. It was a great moment when you came face to face with Billie Eilish, who, in her own way, dealing with this very, very public explosion of success and of attention. It was so quick. Quick. Yeah. She's she's crazy. She's a superstar. What was going through your mind when you when you when you saw that kind of reaction? I wanted to protect the moment. You know, I don't know how many opportunities I'm going to get. You know, we never know how many opportunities we're going to get with anybody. I mean, just, I'm tearing up thinking about it just with the Kobe situation, you know. I just wanted to be a good example. And uh, it was hard for me being that young and being in the industry and not knowing where to turn and everyone, you know, telling me they love me and, you know, just turn their back on you in a second. Um, So... If she ever needs me, I'm going to be here for her. But, um, but yeah, just protecting those moments because people take for granted uh, encounters. And um, I just want to protect her, you know? I don't want her to go through anything I went through. I don't wish that upon anybody. Yeah, if she ever needs me, I'm, I'm just a call away. And in the video footage of this interview, um, you can actually see the tears pouring down Justin's face as he's talking because his voice doesn't kind of start breaking towards the end. And then after he says that kind of final um, sentence about protecting Billie Eilish, he fully doubles over in his chair and really takes a moment with his head between his knees trying to compose himself to continue the interview and and, and stop the tears from coming. So it's 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 a really powerful interview. Yeah, it really is. I think he's just had a really rough couple of years and kind of rationalised why he has been feeling this way and really attributed to the fact that he found superstardom at such a young age and didn't really have the tools or the or the necessarily the right people around him to guide him in that way. So this new album changes as his first album since 2015. And in 2017, he very publicly cut his world tour short um, and just said he was exhausted. He was sick. He just didn't want to do it anymore and hadn't been on stage. I think it was last year, Ariana Grande got him up on stage in Coachella and 
And he revealed in this interview that that was kind of the catalyst for him going back into music and seeing that people were really still loving him and loving what he was doing and seeing the positive energy out there. So you just really get that insight to how he was feeling. And I feel like when he was talking about Billie Eilish and explaining, you know, how hard it was for him being so young, it got it gave me flashbacks to that very famous Britney Spears interview. I think she did it with like ABC or 2020 in the States when they said, oh, you know, what would be your dream? It would just be like just to be with my boys away from everyone and no one know me. Like that's the same sentiment I was getting from it, although he is still quite public. So it's a little bit different, but just very similar. Yeah, I guess that's a thing that we're seeing so much now with these former child stars who are still very much in the public eye but have this really uncensored um, kind of way to communicate with the public because they have their social media feeds. And it's like they're almost frozen in the childhoods that they missed out on. But they've also lived this really accelerated adulthood, like Justin, who's only 25, but spoke really publicly about his desire to get married and is already talking a lot about fatherhood and, and that sort of thing. And is talking about the way that his life is running out at 25 which is quite interesting. But he also, he does cry and show his emotions in public a lot, which is good because I feel like there's still a bit of a stigma around that for men, especially in the public eye. But um, it kind of got me thinking, do you remember those photos that he took um, that were taken of him, paparazzi photos in New York last year um, of him crying in the street and and like quite openly sobbing and his wife um, cradling him? Yeah. And he's talked about that recently as well, about the fact that he just became so overwhelmed by, I guess, the publicity in the world and stuff that he broke down the street. So it's kind of quite a dark interview. The interview goes for, I think, about 43 minutes altogether. And during the whole interview, his voice is very kind of you know, when you've got a lump in your in the back of your throat and you can't quite speak. And this was even before the Billie Eilish um, stuff came up. That was towards the end of the interview. And the whole time he really couldn't make eye contact either. And it's such a stark contrast to, you know, when he was younger doing interviews, very performative and kind of, you know, doing as he was told or, or later also turning into a bad boy. But just the contrast of that, of, of a young Justin Bieber versus now, and he seemed, he just seemed so broken. Yeah. Well, I think he's probably very um, heartened by Billie Eilish's response to the interview yeah. because she's reposted that um, video of him crying on her Instagram feed with a caption that just says, Stream Changes, his new album. But then if you scroll through, she's taken all these photos from her childhood yeah. bedroom and they are just covered in Justin Bieber posters. And she's got an I'm, I'm a Belieber, however the fans, however the kids say it, on her door. And there's a photo of her wearing a Justin Bieber t-shirt from a few years ago. So she has been his number one fan. Like her bedroom is just papered in his fo- in his photos. So that I was a nice I think she used to do of, covers of his songs yeah. as well on YouTube. So she's like a massive fan. Full circle moment for her, obviously meeting him. He says he's happy now and he's really happy in his relationship with Hayley. So, well, he did say in an Ellen interview that he, when they were kids, he means teenagers, he knew he was going to marry Hayley, but he didn't want to marry her as a teenager in case they messed it up. So he kind of effectively put her on relationship lay by for a couple oh of years God. and then like circle back around. So, so that's where those crazy kids are at. But yeah, we do recommend watching the full interview. He said some really interesting things about mental health and fame. So we'll link the full interview in our show notes. Back in January, comedian and actress Amy Schumer revealed via an Instagram post that she was a week into IVF in order to have a second child, a little sibling for baby Jean, who she shares with husband Chris Fisher. In the post, she asked for fans' advice and dealing with the process and even added her number to her Instagram bio for anyone who wanted to reach out. And this week, she shared an update on how the process went. 
Yes. Yeah, so with that original um, call out for people to send their stories through to her, she shared a really close up image on her Instagram page of her very, like completely unfiltered, very bruised, bloated stomach from the IVF treatments. And I think that really showed a lot of women that they could send her their stories and be vulnerable. Um, and so this week she's posted an update of exactly how the IVF went. Um, she went into quite a lot of detail. She said that they'd retrieved 35 eggs from her. Um, then she's like, not bad for this old gal, right? Then 26 were fertilized. But out of all those, they only got one usable embryo, which I think she was really trying to show like how much process you can go through with IVF and the fact that it seems like a lot, but then you only come out with that kind of one chance in that case. And then she wanted to say that she appreciated everyone sharing their stories with her and they made her feel empowered and supported. So she wanted to share exactly how her IVF journey had gone down at the moment. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of way that she's chosen, I guess, to present this information to the world. And I think I was kind of sitting there thinking, oh, this is a no-brainer. Like, of course, she's she's quite an open person. She's going through something. She does interact with her audience um, regularly. So it doesn't seem that weird. But when I was looking through all of the comments, like this, there was a common thread of people saying that the process can be really lonely and isolating and kind of commending her for sharing. And I do forget sometimes, like, we work at Mamma Mia, I have really progressive friends and we all like to share but not everyone has kind of that same situation where where they can have that kind of information or be able to kind of hear a similar story to what they might be going through. Oh exactly I mean the photos that she shared of her IVF treatment I've never seen anything like that come up in my Instagram feed and I guess that's just not the content I'm following but it's just yeah it's those raw images that don't often get shared and um, it kind of got us to we were kind of talking before we came into the podcast about the fact that she's really known for this kind of big bawdy, comedic persona. Um, And obviously that's kind of how she's made her name. But the more I thought about it, the more I kind of discovered that she's actually shared more about like the brutal moments of her personal life than so many other celebrities I follow. Oh, like what examples? So even like her movie Trainwreck, which was her kind of big, um, um, kind of big draw card to fame from transitioning to being a comedian, to being an actress. I mean, that was her entire life story about her father cheating on them and his like, yeah, and his illness. And so all through the press tour, she talked about like what was meant to be this big crazy comedy but when you watched it it was a really sobering family drama um, about yeah her relationship with her father and with herself and with her body Um, and she also talks a lot about how she's met her husband Chris so he actually is the brother of her assistant and a chef and so they were on I did not know yeah right it's a really cute story of how they met so they were on this holiday and the assistant was like we need a chef my brother's near here a Martha's Vineyard he was working there he'll come over and cook for you Um, and the next day Amy Schumer said to her assistant do you mind if I call your brother? Because I feel like we had a thing and it was very, she just called him and said, I like you. And he's like, yeah, I like you too. So they started <gasps> dating. But then she was really open talking about like how they decided to get married and his autism diagnosis, yeah. which he was still working through at the time and talking about being married to someone with autism and kind of how she didn't see it as a disability in any way, which of course it's not, but just talking about how it kind of changed their relationship. And then even going into how she got into the birth of Jean and that like, you know, the how sick she felt and and how hard that was and everything. It's just like I feel like that's become more of her what she's known for, like sharing these hardships of her life in a way that's completely raw. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like for you and I who don't have kids or we're not doing that just yet – hopefully. Um, 
I I felt like for me, obviously, I feel like that's really strong and empowering. So I know there might be some people out there who are going through this. Also, um, a podcast that we have, a new podcast called Get Me Pregnant, which goes through the IVF journey. So we'll link that in our show notes too if anyone is interested in listening. Yeah, it's definitely still just a snapshot of the story, but still very helpful. And it's kind of highlighting this new trend that we're seeing from so many celebrities of them. It used to be just that you could DM them or talk to them on social media and that felt so personal and so instant like Amy Schumer was doing. But so many of them now are doing the thing where they put their phone number and they say, call me or text me. I mean, Ellen DeGeneres did it at one stage. Comedian Whitney Cummings did it. Um, Ashton Kutcher, I think, most famously did it first and just put his phone number out and you could text him and get a reply. It's come to light, though, this is not their actual phone numbers they're putting in there. Of course, Of course it's not. I mean, it sounded kind of too good to be true that maybe someone would just do it off the cuff. But um, it's a new service called Community where you can set up a separate phone line which comes into your own phone so you can still see the text messages. But it's had a really good effect. I mean, that's where Amy Schumer has gotten all these stories from that helped her through a time. So I just feel like celebrities now, they are just like they were held back of not being able to talk to the public. Now they've got a taste of it and now they're taking it even further by wanting you to text directly to their phone. It's funny, it's a really subtle smoke. It's very familiar. Uh, a lot of pencil mm, yeah. <laughs> that we use uh, are made with the cedar wood. Yeah. And so the smell, it's a school smell. Yeah, yeah. But taken in this context, it does smell really delicious. <laughs> when I was a kid, I did used to eat my pencils all the time, so maybe I'm that kind of guy. It's delicious. To celebrate the release of the new Dior fragrance, actor Robert Pattinson, who has been the face of Dior Homme fragrance since 2013, he sat down with Beauty Bible Allure magazine for a fragrance-themed interview. And to be honest, this is the story I needed today. I really needed this. The opening line of this story, I have to read it because it's so funny. The journalist starts off by writing, the sexiest sound in the world, the faint fuzzy friction of Robert Pattinson's facial hair as it brushes the receiver on the other end of the line. Yeah, you can tell that she's a Twilight fan who is <laughs> yeah. just still so obsessed with him slash Edward and just delighted that she gets to do this interview. There were so many good parts of this interview. I think they said, um, how do you apply fragrance when and when do you wear it? And he said, I mean, there are different ways. My dad always would put it in his hair and I had an ex-girlfriend who sprayed a little cloud of perfume and shimmied in it. I like the idea of that. Like, oh, I'm just, there's also reading between the lines of this interview, you can see that the interviewer is having fun with it, but he's in a lot of pain because he very infamously hates doing press, hates doing interviews, takes himself like very seriously. So he's obviously doing this because he's a spokesperson for a scent and he has to do it, but he's not having a fun time. I am like surprised the rest of I us got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am surprised I got this over the line with him though. And he he does a good job. Oh, he gets into Twilight comple- almost completely unprompted. So he says he t- turned up for his Twilight audition where he dyed his own hair black, but he still had an inch and a half of roots showing. The journalist didn't really ask him this, by no. the way. He's just offering up this information. Then he says, I had waxed my body and a few months before I'd been <laughs> drinking beer all day. So I had this hairless, chubby body. I looked like a baby with a wig on. And then I was like, oh my God, no wonder Stephanie Meyer, the author of Twilight, didn't want you in the movie because she wanted Henry Cavill. But the time they started shooting, Henry Cavill was too old. So the studio is like, how about this guy who was in the Harry Potter movies? And Stephanie Meyer was like, this is not what I wanted. It worked out okay, though. Yeah, it definitely did. I think we have to talk about what he revealed that he smelled <laughs> the like. The very last line. So she says, how would you describe your smell? And he goes, lots of people tell me I smell like a crayon. Like a crayon. 
And then she says, like you're made of wax. And he says, yes, like I'm embalmed. And then the interview just ends. It is so I mean, what do you ask as if, I mean, I wonder if he does smell like a crayon. What does a crayon even smell like? I don't know. It's a weird smell. It's a waxy smell. It's such a a specific smell. For him to taste like, smell, oh my God, taste like that. He really does taste like a crayon too. (laughs) For him to smell like that. I mean, it's such a specific smell. I don't understand. Yeah, I feel like Gwyneth Paltrow got a lot of shade for her vagina candle. And it turns out that celebrities do just, you know, have similar sense to inanimate objects. So I don't think we should hold her against, hold that against them. Can I say what this made me think of? My Probably one of my most memorable celebrity interviews. I mean, I didn't do it. Vogue UK did it from back from 2012. Because this is not the first time that Robin Pattinson or one of his girlfriends has spoken about how they smell to each other. So I don't know if you remember this. It's locked away in my brain forever. Um, Kristen Stewart, who was his girlfriend at the time, did an interview with UK Vogue where she talked about the fact that Robert was obsessed with the way she smelled and that was the flame in their relationship. So she said, I love the way he smells and he loves the way I smell. Like, (laughs) I can't say this properly, you know, I'm such a prude. Like, he loves to lick under my armpits. I don't get this obsession that we all have with washing our smell off. The smell of someone you love. Don't you think that's the whole point? And the Vogue UK interviewer just goes, um, sure. Oh, my God. I kind of agree. Minus the licking thing. Like, the natural body scent, I think, is quite sexy. Okay, whenever you and Charlie do it home, it's between you and your God and your own home thing. I just feel like now that interview from 2012, that infamous interview, makes so much sense because Robin Patson doesn't smell bad. He just smells like a crayon. Mystery solved. Thank you for listening to The Spill today. We love seeing what you get up to while you're listening each day. So why don't you snap a pic and pop it on Instagram and tag us at Mamma Mia Entertainment. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.